0: This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. That's true. Author to authors, brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. You can find Author Magazine at authormagazine.org. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. To learn more about the PNWA, please go to pnwa.org. Got another debut author, great guy, Joe Milan. He uh, got a new book out, The All-American, and what an interesting guy. He had a very unusual story about how he came to writing, came to it late, but boy, when he came to it, he came to it hard, and it was great talking to him about that. Very honest guy, very uh, very straight, very unpretentious, really had a lot of fun. Joe is an assistant professor of creative writing at Waldorf University was the David TK Wong Creative Writing Fellow at the University of East Anglia in the UK and a Black Mountain Institute and Barrick PhD Fellow of Creative Writing at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas he has served as a fiction editor at Witness and is an MFA graduate at the University at the Vermont College of Vermont College of Fine Arts he's an American with Korean ancestry and taught in Korea for 9 years his work has appeared in Broad Street, The Rumpus Friction, The Flexible Persona, LA Review of Books, The Kyoto Journal and more and The All-American is his first novel and here is our conversation so glad I get to share it with you enjoy all right well it's good we've got I don't know I I'm not I don't know anticipated debut novelist Joe Milan here. Joe, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Yeah. yeah, I got a lot of rain today where I'm at, which is desperately needed because
1: it's been boiling otherwise.
0: Joe's out in Iowa, which we'd always think of Iowa as a literary state, but it is we all there's one particular reason for that. Uh, you teach writing out there, yeah.
1: I do. I, I teach at a small liberal arts college uh, named Waldorf University, and I teach creative writing, um, and I also teach uh, lit classes, and of course, English comp, like like most oh, of
0: us, oh you, oh, you're really you're grinding it out. Okay. Well, but, listen, but the reason we're talking is not because you're a professor of, t- of writing and literature at Waldorf, Waldorf College, but because you've got your first novel out, The All-American, and this was, this has been out for a couple months now. Couple months. It yeah. came out April 4th, yeah. That's right. So a lot of attention. Uh for good reason. For good reason. Uh how are you feeling? Thank so you. How, it's been a couple months. How's the how has the reality versus expectation worked out for you? Um,
1: it's it's been surreal because um more people answer my emails. so, yeah, <laughs> <bet>. <laughs> um, so like in the past, uh, when 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 I just wrote uh, a few short stories that got published, like you you would want to do a reading somewhere, and you would say like, "Hey, would you be interested in doing a reading or doing something?" And it would just be crickets. Um, and but now it. The book has gotten enough really good attention that um, people people are responding,
0: not always saying yes, but they'll respond, which is a nice change. That is that is nice. That is nice. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Um, You feel like somebody for whom writing has been. Always on the horizon, if not a central part of your life, is that fair? Did you come to it like in college? I feel like you've been doing it for kind of ever. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I I came to it after college, actually. So what? Uh, what? I, I'm I'm one of the few. I I so what happened was I wanted to be a I wanted to be a filmmaker, ah, and okay. um I went to a school without a film program because I was <laughs> you know 18 and not very bright. <laughs> but, um, and I wrote I I did playwriting, and that was the closest that I could do to filmmaking. Wow, that's right. And, uh, And so me and my buddies would shoot short films and do all that. And after I graduated, I had this idea for a, um, a full length movie and I just couldn't get myself to finish the script and I couldn't get myself to make it good. I knew it wasn't very good because one of those, one of those things that you realize once you've read a lot is you, you develop taste. Um, who was it? Uh, I, who was it? Ira glass. Um, mentioned mentioned that and that's really true like you you when you develop your taste you can start looking at your work and realizing like okay this is working this isn't working right and so i was living and teaching in south korea and um i my uncle sent me a copy of creative screenwriter and i don't know if the magazine's still out but he sent me this copy because it had this someone wrote that uh, an article saying that if you're struggling with your screenplay, what you should really do is write it as a novel, because it's way easier to write it as a novel and get it published as a novel.
0: Well, and, oh, my God. OK. <laughs> all right. And, Interesting.
1: And, and then, like, once the novels bought and, you know, the film rights sell, you can just go and say, like, here's my script. Uh, That is the the most
0: idiotic, convoluted. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to whoever wrote that, but that is the weirdest route to getting, but okay, fine. All right. I I, I think what it was is it it worked for him and
1: it won't work for 99% (laughs) of every other, you know, every other writer. But I I was, again, I'm like 22. I'm thinking like, okay, this is my way forward. And what happened was I started changing my screenplay into prose And I started writing, I got off work like eight o'clock at night or something like that. And I kept writing until the sun came up and it was, wow, really? It was, yeah, it was, it was just straight. I like, I didn't even, I like, I think I may have made some coffee or something, but it was the first time I'd ever done anything in my life where I could just keep going and just, I just, I loved it. And then I looked at it and again, I had done enough reading not necessarily short stories and prose, but a lot of playwriting and uh, screenwriting. And I was reading and I was like, this is shit. Like, <laughs> I, need to get, I love doing this and I want to get better at this. And then from that point on, I don't know, it was just like when you find your form. And for me, I found my form and I decided like, this is what I devote myself to. And so ever since I, that's when I started really writing and then trying to get better at writing and also seeking out, um, prose that I actually wanted to read because I hadn't read too many books that, uh, connected with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a, as a, as a young guy.
0: So you weren't a and, reader as a young fella?
1: No. I mean, I wanted to be because every once in a while I would find something interesting, like some piece of non like historical fiction or whatever. And I'd read it and I'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right. Um, the first book I ever really loved was, um, a samurai book called Masashi. Okay. Um, was and, it written in
0: English or was it written...
1: It was originally written in Japanese and translated into English, but, you know, reading about a samurai, you know, a guy, how does a guy become a samurai? Yeah. Um, And I loved it. But when I went and talked to my English professors, they're like, hey, you know, what what should I be reading? And they would hand my English teachers, they would hand me uh, like Amy Tan, which for, you know, a 13, 14, 15 year old guy who who is into samurai um, st- oh
0: god this guy to be crazy okay they yeah. meant well they meant well
1: okay they meant well they meant and, well and <laughs> but I didn't because of that like it was much easier for me to find films that I connected with of but course. I didn't find yeah. books until I was I was grown and then I started reading people that I absolutely loved and right. you know like I the first time I actually understood that I liked short stories was when I read T.C. Boyle's Greasy Lake
0: I'm about to interview TC Boyle. It's so funny. That's coming up. I haven't. Hey, when you do, please tell him that um, Greasy Lake changed my life. I'm going to. I'm going to. I will. So it changed your life. So talk to me about that. So how old are you when you read it? I read Greasy
1: Lake. I must have been like 20, shortly after I started writing. So that would have been like 22, 23. Okay.
0: So you read it. And because I've had experience like that, I I don't, it sounds pretentious, but it's not. But when I read The Love Song of Jail for Proof Rock by. T.S. Eliot, that I was 17, but it changed the way I thought and wrote to yeah. some degree. It was really profound in that way. So how did Greasy Lake change you?
1: What changed for me was it was the first time it, Greasy Lake's a short story where these um, guys who are high school friends meet up again the summer after their first year of college and they don't have anything going on Um and they're just going to go and hang out and drive around, cause a little bit of mischief and, you know, ha ha, hee hee, right. like this, look how cool we are. Right. Um, and that was the first time I read about a scenario where I I was like, that was me. You know, that oh, is me. Right. Like me and my friends piling into a car, yep. argue for 30 minutes about where to go. Yep. End up End up at a lame party. <laughs> yes. Um because we couldn't get into the cool part you know just it was that it was that same vibe
0: that's so funny i'm easily a generation older than you and that is exactly what i did when i was a young guy that is exactly what i did in providence <laughs> driving around yeah. what are we gonna do i don't know what do you want to do i don't know what do you want
1: yeah and then um they end up thinking that they're gonna um hassle one of their buddies who they think um has got his girlfriend in the back of his car at, at greasy lake this um you know, right. crappy crappy pond that's been polluted and stuff because it's one of those suburban, you know, suburban rural kind of forgotten parks where, of course, where all the kids know to go to right. smoke pot or whatever. Right. Um, it turns out it's not their friend and it's a very angry man who, you know, right, you know, you know, beats them up, scatters them, and then it only gets worse from there. I don't so want to spoil that's it. That's interesting.
0: So was the uh, because for, as when you're an artist, there's a lot of things that are that so this is actually some it's interesting as you mentioned all this because i I teach a lot. And one of the things i I like to teach the students is that we all have an aesthetic, but we're learning about it, and we're always trying to satisfy it, and we're always looking for it to to identify what satisfies it and what doesn't. And sometimes it's in the content and sometimes it's in presentation and sometimes it's in both. So TC Boyle has a very particular voice. um. Yeah uh very distinct voice was it the voice or was it the content that really excited you the most the just the nature of the story
1: i i think it was a combination of the both because it was before i discovered grit lit or anything that was you know hip like grit right lit? The... i
0: haven't even heard that term what the hell have uh, i missed it
1: <laughs> uh, it's uh it's it's guys like barry Hanna, It's guys like oh i i need to look at my books i'm, I'm blanking on it that's okay um i mean i can picture
0: what grit i mean i it sort of speaks for itself in a way but
1: yeah like dennis johnson um that's not oh, actually dennis good. johnson really yeah so what it what it is is it's, it's um grit lit isn't just like it's not the contents but you know it's that idea it it's rougher than let's say like a, a ray carver type of thing because okay. ray carver was he was obsessed with you know Picking out all those adjectives and picking yeah, out yeah, all those yeah, adverbs, yeah. you know, yeah. the the American declarative sort of sort yeah. of idea. But, um, you know, when T.C. Boyle, he published that story, I think in you know, like 78 or 79, oh, like wow. he was right in that zone of like it was really early in his career. And yet it the the line sung so like the way he was developing his his voice that you know much later like when when he comes out with water music it's fully developed because he he's done an incredible amount of reading um and so he can switch voices very easily but the other part of it was i hadn't read about young guys doing what young guys do yeah and i hadn't read about it um as unapologetically as that because it's not just like oh young guys being you know boys will be boys but it's that it's that that the guys are fulfilling motifs that they think they're supposed to be but not really yeah and that 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 line is a really, really, really hard thing to do because yeah. it's very easy to, you know, overblow and, you know, go to the macho route. It's very hard to expose where a character is trying to do that, but in reality isn't. Right, um, right. And that's what Greasy Lake, Lake did for me because I read that and I was like, all of these epiphanies that keep on occurring towards the end to the very last image in that story, which is absolutely spectacular. Um, he manages to show so much that i had never read where that young guys understand but are afraid to admit
0: yeah i'm so glad you said that because i do think that um we can take there's, a, there's some clichés around young manhood which mm-hmm. are worth debunking anybody who's ever been a young man knows that you are a full person with all kinds of feelings with may not get expressed but they're yeah. all there particularly if you're like you and I, you and me who were had a, artistic aspirations, there's a lot roiling around in there. So good for you. And you certainly, so speaking of which, you certainly go after all that in the All-American. I'm not going to try and give the whole story away. It is a, yeah. would you say, a? I haven't thought of this word in so long, a Bildungsroman. Would you say it is yeah. one of those? It kind of is.
1: It's a Bildungsroman, or um, in English, we always just, you know, we often, it's the same thing, a coming of age story, maturation yeah. narrative. Right. Yeah. um i yeah it was very deliberately i chose that because um when but so the idea about uh the all-american is it actually came about when i used to teach a class called american culture in south korea and you're teaching um, the
0: south koreans about american essentially about like my class was what...
1: titled it was american culture like 225 um and it was a it was it was a it was a it was a course for freshmen and sophomores who and it didn't matter what major they wanted to go into um it was one of those courses that everyone recommended because americans are weird and if you're going to do business with americans you
0: (laughs) that's weird about us i don't understand okay (laughs) Okay. and And so it was
1: it was my job to teach them about like okay american culture is like this which is absolutely bananas but
0: um oh how fun i I think it would have been fun to teach it in a way you get to tell you you got to tell them all this is what america is you got to be the the little keyhole through which they peered at what america really was big responsibility joe
1: yeah it's my fault um (laughs) (laughs) but uh, but the thing i actually relied on was it was this Um, state department academic, like back in the eighties, he wrote, um, the 13 values American Americans live by uh, his name was Robert, Robert Coles. And it was a primer for diplomats from other countries to, so you're going to go to America, you're going to do business, you're going to negotiate, whatever. Here's, um, like 13 basics of American culture that should give you a little bit of insight of like why Americans are the way they are. Um, and i would so that matched perfectly a semester semesters are typically around 15 16 weeks right 13 13 (laughs) values a value a week there we go um and one semester when i was teaching that class um a student you know rose their hand and asked like does anyone ever use all these values or was it like is it is it always true? And you know, I thought like, well, no. Like everybody, we bend rules, we do things. But right. I started wondering like, what would happen if a character embodied all of these rules, just right, right. fully believed it, one hundred percent, right, USA. Um, right. <laughs> what would what what would that look like? And that's, um, that's where looked. my that's where my character um, came from. And because it's he's the. De- trying to be as ultimately american as possible a lot of the literature that we often gravitate to as our best um is often the building's romance the coming of age story so yeah yeah yeah. um ellison's invisible man you look at um you look like uh, you look at huckleberry finn like a lot of a lot of this is always built off this idea so that's that's why i chose this format
0: well, you're, you, but it, it also mirrored your own life in that you really, your artistic life was quite the journey going from one thing to another, discovering what you wanted to be at such a, at, 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 like I guess I interviewed a t- thousand writers and usually it's young, but obviously it doesn't have to be, but it's fascinating to me that the, this writer was living in you. I always wonder where that, what's he doing? because that writer has to be doing something, right? If Because if, the if you start writing and you go, oh, this is it, I'm home. What was he, what was that? Where was the outlet for that prior to that? I guess just, you know, reading, goofing around, smoking pot. I don't know, you know, besides you suffuse yeah. it. You, you just kind of like, um, don't let it out. I don't know. No, well, I, I think I used to just,
1: I would hang out with my friends and retell our stories of our adventures, like in high school. So, you know, I was, I was that guy. Um, You were the bard. I was the bard (laughs) at when I was in a, you know, in college at the bar or whatever, I was the one who reaccounted whatever that was going on. I tried to make films and try to write uh, short plays, but I guess the the thing, the reason why it never really clicked for me, it wasn't just because I wasn't very good at it because nobody is very good at it when you're getting started anyways, but it was the, it was the fact that I didn't really have, I didn't enjoy the process because I always had that inkling that whatever I made would constantly be torn apart to a point where I wouldn't recognize it. Maybe that was, yeah. So like it's, it's, like that's like collaboration works if you're actually working together to collaborate, to make, to make it happen. But like when right. you're sitting there and you're playwriting by yourself, for me, at least I felt that whatever great idea I had would get, um would, wouldn't I, I spend all this time trying to distill it and not distill it very well. And right. then I also don't have any faith that it's ever going to look anything like what it happened in my mind. Whereas I think the reason why I connected with writing prose was this is telepathy, man. Like you you have <laughs> yeah. every time you open up a book, a good one, you read a moment of someone else's thought. Yeah. Like it's it's it that is spectacular. And that is something it's magical, and you're and you can go anywhere with it. And it's just it's not is it's, it's different than even storytelling.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. It's more intimate. And what's weirder still, Joe, is that people have read your book and each one of them has read a different book because each one of them, you know, they all do because I have, you know, I write stuff that is kind of inspirational, not kind of, that's what it is. And so when people contact me, they're always like, thank you, you know, and that's great. But whenever they talk about it, it's like, oh, that is, it always sounds different than the book I wrote, which is like they do with it what, you know, they find the thing they need. But I suspect as you I don't know. Literary writers don't hear as much from their readers as I think they should, but they don't tend to. I don't know if you've heard much, but it always feels like they've read their own book. I don't know if that's been your experience.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like the I've I I got I've gotten some emails, um, and the I think first it just blows my mind that anyone would bother tracking down my email to you. See, write, <laughs> write, write, write two three pages of like, of. Of not always praise. It's sometimes like, no, you, know, you weren't, you weren't right with this character because of blah blah blah. Yeah. Like I, I, I wasn't even thinking of that. But um, yeah, everyone, someone, I was really early on the first time I ever, um, the first time I actually met readers who weren't people I knew. And we right. weren't like from right. uh my publisher WW w. Norton. Right. Um, I was I had done this uh, independent um book conference for booksellers, and someone had tracked me down at the airport on the way out in order to talk to me about one of the characters. Wow. And and she she was talking to me about like, okay, here's my interpretation of this character. Is that right? And I had no idea. <laughs> Like how to respond to that because I was just, I was just getting ready to. I was trying to find my gate.
0: <laughs> and you I were just being seen. a normal person, and suddenly you were a celebrity. Much Am to I your mean? own, in your own small way. And it's yeah. kind of, you're gonna. It's a weird thing, but what will happen is you will learn how to respond to those questions probably because you'll get them again and again in different. You know you that you will learn the kind of questions you will get. And how you will probably say, well, it's, I remember Jan Martel who wrote Life of Pi. Yeah. And I was interviewing him about that. And he said, some woman came up to him and she said, I loved the life of Pi. And I loved how you wrote a book about marriage. And he said, I did what? <laughs> and she said, <laughs> you wrote a book about marriage. She, says, yeah. uh, uh, and he start, she said, I've been married and that tiger is marriage. And he said, okay, then. <laughs> Yes, it is. and I think that is, I believe in that relationship to the reader and their interpretations of it, whatever you think it is for you, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I was actually going to ask you like for, because you're writing inspirational things, like is it just different forms of inspiration or is it like in the same vein that you were looking always for, in the or?
0: same vein It's to create a right of people. It's sort of I deal with the psychological and emotional challenges of creativity I I leave the craft to other people, but I think that the psychological hurdles around creativity, the emotional spirit are significant. And so that's what interests me. And so that's what I help them think differently about it. I think one way to think about it is if you think I can't write this, you can't write it. But as soon as you start getting interested, and actually what one interesting moment in your little journey that you described to us, which you sort of threw off jokingly, but I think it's a significant moment, was when you read your first was it your first, I don't know if it was your first screenplay, Oh no, it was your first novel you were writing. And you looked at it and said, well, this is shit. And you, yeah. I got to get better. Now, for a lot of people that, now maybe you were not giving us a completely accurate, but for a lot of people that is devastating to look at their own stuff and realize, oh God, this is awful. And they can't bring themselves to just learn how to make it better. But it sounds yeah. like if you were being honest, while it was probably not a great moment, you didn't see it as, Proof that you had no talent or no ability. Is I, that fair?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I I didn't start out. Like I, I learned to read very late because I had a lot of like hearing difficulties as a little kid. And oh, that's, okay. that 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 put me back. And so like reading and learning how to do things and like just learning how to do school, that took a really long time for me to figure out why that matters is that. I really subscribe to the belief that you, you can always get better uh, now I love it. whether, whether or not you get great, like that's, that's, that's so complicated and so much to do with things outside your control. It doesn't matter. So like, for me, the reason why I could look at that first draft and I'm being earnest about this is that yeah. when, when I went through that night and I'm looking out the window and realizing like, I'm tired. Oh shit. I need to get to work. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> I'm thinking I've never I've never experienced anything like that. And I decided like in that moment, it was just, you know, when you're out there in the desert and you find a drink of water. And for me, yeah. having that moment, I decided like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. And when you think about something like that in terms of like, this is the rest of my life, then I'm not writing one novel. Right. I'm writing for the rest of my life. And so, of course, a lot of these um, drafts I, I don't know about other writers, but I know for me, the truth is that I have a lot of I have a lot of drafts of novels that didn't work out and they're in a filing cabinet. I, I used to call the on my um, uh, on my computer, I used to have a folder called the the, the folder of abandoned children. <laughs> because i always had hopes i always had hope that i would go back and rescue him. right but every right. time i saw it it made me feel way too guilty and way too traumatic and so i changed <laughs> it to like something innocuous like holding pan right but, um but the the fact was like once i made a decision like that like this is what i'm this is what i'm gonna do and i have no control whether or not it's gonna be successful or not because the the minute you realize And I had this because shortly after that, I went back um, to Seattle where I went to college and I was visiting some friends. Mm -hmm. uh, um, And I was just bumming around at the time after my first contract teaching. And I went to the old school library to the section of fiction, which I had never gone to in the four years that I'd been there. And I just saw... Um, it's, it's the Sousalow Library and in the University of Washington, and it's huge. And, and they right. have like four or five floors be- in, in the basement, and it's just books. And some of these books are dusty, and there's a lot of dust, and some of them aren't. And you look at this, and you think, every one of these people has done the thing that I really want, and I have no idea who they are. Right. And that's okay, because that suddenly takes all that you start it it just starts occurring to you like a lot of a lot of this stuff is like you can't have millions of books down there and say that oh only the ones that we teach in our literature classes are the great ones that's right there's there's plenty plenty of amazing books that just didn't luck out like Moby Dick was was a failure in Melville's life and (laughs) it was like 100 years later when it got like brought back into the american imagination and now we talk about it as if it's like a foregone conclusion that it is it's a masterpiece but no and i mean that's great all gatsby
0: I, the same way great gatsby was not a thing it, i didn't it know that didn't do that well no i mean hemingway recognized it as great and, and fitzgerald loved it but it actually didn't do that great not not compared to his other stuff yeah afterwards
1: bigger, Yeah. And that's the thing we all we all talk about now is Gatsby.
0: One of the things I Um, love about doing what I do is I I only read books for people I'm going to talk to because I do it a lot. And up until I did started doing this in my 40s, I only read dead writers pretty much. I mean, pretty much. Like that's who I am. And so now I, I don't interview dead writers and, if, and it's so it's, a, and it's a much more living, breathing view of literature and just books in general as a thing that's happening all the time. Cause it from, mm-hmm. you know, in the classroom, it can start feeling a little dusty, a little stayed. And like, it's just this one thing yeah. It's it's ever evolving. See, and now you're a part of it. Now you're a part of that new tradition, Joe. And so I assume you're working on book number two. I can't imagine you're not. Or maybe it's yeah. Dumb. So no, man.
1: No, I. uh it's it's nasty. The, oh, the <laughs> process. <laughs> um, I've I've written three complete drafts of it, and I've thrown them all away because um, brutal. Wh- brutal. I it, it it it's just the process. It's the process this this book needs. Um, I'm I'm really trying to race race against my own doubts to just get a draft of it done that I'm happy with because I keep on stopping. Because it's it's not doing exactly what I think it should be doing in my head. And um, I think, you know, seeing one book through, finally, seeing it published, is helping me realize that, like, it's, you just got to get to the end. Then you have something to fix. I mean, that's the old truth. You know, thank
0: you. Thank you. Because I have told my. Clients, I work with. I'm like a writing coach, and I don't often read their stuff, but I will talk to them about what they're going through. And I'm like, "You got to finish. You don't know what you have until you've written the end of something, a draft. You have to get to the end because you really don't know even know what it is until you reach yeah, some kind of end." Ah, oh, it's good to hear my wisdom validated by others. <laughs> <laughs> I, Joe, Joe, yeah. you're promising, promising talent. We are eager to see where it will go. I'm very happy for the success of this book. You seem like such a sweet guy. Uh, Thank you. uh, I got one more question for you, though. Sure. I want you to think, even though you're relatively, such a young pup, you're relatively new to the writing game in the grand scheme of things, but clearly that doesn't matter. But I want you to think about the writing you've done, the, the novels you've abandoned and the novels you've finished and the short stories, even those screenplays and plays. And think about all that writing. And if it's taught you anything just about life, what's it taught you?
1: it the thing it taught me is that the the real problems you have can't be can't be fixed they it has to change a mindset like you you can't yeah problems can't i mean yeah, there's problems like okay, I can't eat enough i need to I need to find more money in order to, right, to eat right. enough and, um, but a lot of those big problems that that plague are plague my character. the only way they can get out of it is if they change the way they think about themselves and the problem like it's nobody actually wants money really nobody nobody gives a shit about um dollars and cents um they they give a shit about the feeling good feeling like you accomplished feeling like you did something and you know when it comes to um most of our other problems like um the reason like for me like the reason why i wanted to write about a young guy like this who's so bullheaded and like so many of us is that he doesn't even realize Boldheaded bullheaded he is because he's trying to uphold ideas that can't be upheld he thinks because if he does this this will make him a successful american and you can't be successful because it's even if you even if you got all that money it won't give you the thing that you're looking for you have to know that that's a change of mindset then everything else can happen
0: man you are speaking my language, brother. You are speaking my language. That's actually, in truth, you asked me what I do. That's actually what I do is talk to people about their mindset, that with writing, it's mindset first, writing second, mindset first. It's all mindset. Oh, good. See, I knew I liked you. This is good, Joe. Congratulations on the book and good luck on the next one. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah. Thank you. All mindset, yeah, it's all mindset. It's really true. You know, that's been the focus of the work I've been doing about the mindset you have to be in. He wasn't talking about this. He was talking about what fiction taught him, but it's writing is a mindset. The frame of mind you have to be in to write is mindset. It's all mindset. Totally agree. I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries. Thank you, my friend, and all of you out there. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for listening. And uh, until next time... Go find something you love to do and do it.
1: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing?